Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Angle on Producers. I'm your host and fellow producer, Carolina Gropa. This is a show where I spotlight producers from all corners of the entertainment industry to understand who they are, what they do, and why they do it. If you love listening to the show as much as I love making it for you, then please head on over to Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe, write a review, leave a comment. I don't know why it matters, but these metrics matter. And so your support of me and the show helps me grow the show, helps us reach even more people. So thank you. Jolene Rodriguez is the president of Broken English Productions, a newly launched film finance arm of Grandave Capital. They launched last June with a focus on film and TV projects centered on Latinx stories told by Latinx filmmakers. Previous to this new role, Jolene was a development and production executive at Sony Screen Gems for over a decade. During her tenure, Jolene leveraged her position to build an impressive list of industry contacts, including A-list talent, producers, and film financiers. She played a critical role in setting up an untitled Gabrielle Union rom-com and an untitled Gigi Guerrero Latinx horror film while she was there. Independently, Jolene executive produced the 2019 high-profile Con Marche feature, Keyhole Garden, starring Zoe Saldana. As you'll learn from this hour together, none of that should surprise you considering that Jolene was able to sustain an internship at Sony when she started while holding down a full-time job, a full-time class load, and mothering her two young kids, one of whom was only two weeks old when she started. (laughs) So anytime you feel like the struggle is hard, I recommend reminding yourself of Jolene's journey and taking in some inspiration from her life. And if she can do it, and if I can do it, well then, si, se puede. Let's dive in and hear from Jolene. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's been such a long time of coming to get you on the show. I, it's been, it's always a sweet for me when it's like such a long investment of time and energy and things happen and then we finally get to connect and do this. And so I always feel like it happens at the right time. Yeah, so sorry. Thank you. I, I- <laughs> got my new position and I was just crazy busy and multiple people were asking me for my bio and like update you know I didn't update my bio and then finally at some point I just was like sorry uh, updated everything and and then I one night just sent it out to everyone I'm like okay here's my updated bio it wasn't even that updated but <laughs> I do it because I, I got I felt bad making everyone wait yeah, well, you've been in a big transition, and I, I definitely want to get to that with, with Broken English, but I'd love to just take it back to the beginning a little bit. You know, where are you from, um, and how did you discover that producing was a thing a person could do as a career? Um, when I was at Sony, I was interning there. And yeah. then I, once you're, when you're in, in university or at college, whatever, whatever you're at, wherever you're at in your, in your, I guess, when you're going to school, you they don't tell you there's a development division. They don't tell you a department. They don't tell you, they, they tell you how to make a film, but they don't tell you at a studio level, these different places, these different departments and how you fall into them. And then you, essentially you're a producer at a studio, but you're not, you don't get producer credit. Right. So right. you're in development, you're, you do your production and then you go to post and you watch it throughout the process. You do the casting then you watch and you finish the film and you have a producer on, while doing these things and the, but really you're doing a lot of the work yeah so just, but not getting the credit <laughs> yeah so I was like, oh so 
it's once I saw budgets and I was like, oh, the producers are, that's where the money's at. Is it? Maybe at the studio level, not the level I've been operating at, trying to get on your level. (laughs) Not independent, independent, uh, like smaller films. But I think when you're at a studio, when you're producing studio films, the budgets are a lot bigger and there's a lot of, uh, a lot more money to be had. So, yeah, yeah. But, but back it up. So are you, you're from LA, right? I'm from Orange County. From Orange County. And so growing up in Orange County, did you have a sense as a teenager that there was this film industry, you know, 50 miles away, essentially, that you could get to and that you wanted to get in? Was that a clear sort of path for you? No, 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 no. I think it was, I was, I was, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was in community college. This is what's crazy. I was in community college taking classes. And I got married young, had kids young. And I was like, I need to figure this out. And I was taking classes. And I started taking, I was going through the catalog. And I was like, I always had an interest in film, but just not, I didn't know what that meant. And so I took like production classes, screenwriting classes, uh, even a editing class. And, and I, I was like, oh, wow, I think I could write. And so I started writing. And, and got an internship at Sony while I was there uh, in TV. And I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to write. These writers are really good. And <laughs> I'm not that good. So yeah. I was like, I can develop though. I can give good notes and I can develop a script and I see things that are wrong with scripts. So once I knew that that division actually existed, I was like, this is where I want to be. This is exactly where I want to be. And, and how did just- you find that out? Like, is it when you were at community college, d- did you learn that like, okay, this, there's a th- such a thing as a development track that you can get on and here's the path no. to get there? No, I, I was, I just went online because I'm that kind of person. Like I just went online and was like, okay, I'm going to get an internship. Like we talked about internships, but I was like, I'm going to get an internship at a studio. So I started just applying to these random, like just blindly ap- applying to, uh, I would just read like the little little blurb of like what it was. And I was like, okay, this is like something I would want to do. Yeah. And I started applying and I just got so lucky that someone in TV, I got a couple, actually received a couple offers and I was like, wow, this is crazy. I, I wasn't expecting this. I'll, I Actually, I did. I did expect it. I was like, I'm going to get them all. But <laughs> when they came in, I yeah. was like, oh, okay, you're onto something. And I, there was a few and I ended up going with Sony TV. And when I, when I went in, it was like I was older than everyone else because I was married already for I don't know how many years at that point, seven years, maybe. Wait, so how years. old were you at that point? Uh, I was 26. And you I were was, married for seven years with two kids, three kids? No, two, two, two kids. Two kids. And was, one of them was a newborn. Wow. <clears throat> so, and I, I've never told this to anyone, actually. So during this time, I was going to school, my husband he was, he works in it and he was working, he had a, you know, his job and his career going and he was signed up for the reserves when he was like 18, 19 years old. He signed up for the reserves just because I ran, he was young and it was like, this is, I'm going to sign up for the reserves. After I had my son, he was a newborn. He gets activated to go to Iraq. My son was like two weeks old. Oh my God. Yeah. So I got my internship a little after that. And I was working full-time as a police dispatcher and I was going to school full-time and I was interning at Sony TV. So when people say, Oh, I don't have time. I, I don't know how I can't do it. I'm like, bullshit. You could do it. Cause no one knows that whole side of that story. I've never told anyone that, but I had so much going on. And I think the more I had on my plate, the more I, I just got done. I had to yeah. do it. How did you and- m- like manage all of that 
and keep all those balls in the air? Uh, well, I based my work schedule. I was the, uh, uh, what, was, what was my title? I was the supervisor of the dispatchers. So I was able to move my schedule however I wanted it because I was overseeing them. So I didn't necessarily have to be there. I didn't have like a, a full like schedule. So, and my boss at that time who over, like overseen the whole thing, he, he knew what I wanted. He knew that I had this goal, like, oh, I'm going to work at the studio. I'm going to be an intern. So he allowed me to really move my schedule and he would fill in for me. He even helped me with my resume. He was like, no, you don't need to put your police, don't put your police dispatcher. <laughs> you're, you're an admin something, like he changed my title. And so like when I went to Sony with this resume and I sent it out, I, I didn't say I was a police dispatcher. I said I worked for the naval, like a naval base or something. I fibbed a little, but it worked. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was able to work that schedule around my school schedule and I worked both of those schedules around my internship. So, so let me just get this straight. You yeah. are working full time as a supervisor. You are in school full time. You yeah. have an internship part time, I'm yeah. assuming. And you have two children, two babies, one which is basically two weeks old. Your husband is in Iraq. <laughs> How long were you living that life before you got a little reprieve? Like, how long were you in that period? Um, it was like for two years. And and even then, it didn't seem like, I didn't seem overwhelmed. I was tired a lot, but I was like, I got, I have to do this. I have wow, to do this. Wow, Jolene, that's like, I just feel embarrassed for myself. Like for every time I've complained about how hard my struggle has been, you're a goddamn inspiration. <laughs> That's insane. I, well, even well, when I was at community college doing this, was, I was in community college, by the way, when I got the internship and Erica Coates, who was my, she's the one that gave me my internship at Sony TV. I just recently talked to her. She's the COO now of a company. She's badass. A black woman gave me my first opportunity. I love that. And I remember, and maybe I, I, whoever it was, whoever her boss was at that time had mentioned like it was a, a black uh, guy that she gave another internship and myself. And she, yeah, I think he asked her like, is this a diversity thing? Like, cause she, you know, like we're both, yeah, yeah. And they weren't used to probably seeing that. And she was like, no, I just think that they deserve this. And like, my resume, I'm at Golden West Community College. And he's like, uh, there was like people who applied for this, who went to, were at USC and all the, you know, Chapman, wherever they were at. And she was, she's, and I asked her, like, what happened? How did that happen? She's like, I just saw that you were older, like, not older, but older than them. And she knew that I was in everything that I had and show up and, and really learn. And at the end of it, she's like, Julie, what do you want to do? Like, what's next for you? And I'm like, I want to work in, in films. And she's like, I want to work in features. And she's like, oh, I know someone over at Screen Gems, which is in, on the lot, same place. She called him and she's like, I'm not getting you, I'm not giving you the internship though. You have to go over there and apply. Like, you have to put interview. You're not getting handed anything, which I loved. And I said, oh, I got this. I went over there and got that internship and then was still living this, this crazy life that no one really knew about. I would just show up cause I had to, cause I had no other choice. I wanted, I wanted to show my children that like, okay, I got married young and I'm still married by the way. And my kids are both great scholars and, and because they, and hopefully driven like their mom cause they see me and they see their dad, but I had to do it. I had no other choice. And no, no one knew at work that any of this was happening. They, I just showed up and did what I had to do. And then at some point, the internship was over. And I just was like, they told me, stop showing up. Pam Kunis was like, tell her, like, her internship's over. And I was like, well, my badge still works. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up until it doesn't work, <laughs> I guess. And they end up giving me a job. <laughs> I end up giving me a job. Uh, and I'm yeah. for 10 years, 10 years after that. So Yeah, I saw on your on your Insta, you had this blurb from some 
talk you did probably last year because there were humans all gathering in the same room where you were talking about how your internship ended and you just kept you just kept showing up and then they were like no no you're good and you're like I'm gonna still keep coming and you just kept going I love that God it speaks so much to your hustle and your tenacity it's so inspiring I hope you you recognize that right you know that you're like a badass no I don't know about that but yeah come on I have a lot of cousins and they like I'm the oldest of like 40 cousins on my mom my mom has eight siblings and there's I think like 40 cousins that are younger than me um and so I'm very very close to them we all live in Orange County maybe that's part of the reason why I don't want to leave uh and they're yeah they're they pretty much are like they pump me up but yeah 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 they keep you real keep you grounded that's good <laughs> that's good okay so then you're at Sony for a decade Screen Gems specifically yeah. um and how, so you started at the ground level there and then you worked your way up to basically become, what's your fancy title here? Let me find out what it, what it is here. <laughs> you became, yeah, you were sort of heading development and, and production. You were an executive there. So tell me about- Executive, I guess, at Screen Gems. Yeah. Tell me about that journey to, to 10 years of, at the same company. I feel like nowadays that's becoming increasingly rare because everybody bounces around so much. So what was that I time think, like? Uh, well, once I, once I got in, Clint Culpepper was the president and I was interning there I, and then received that. Uh, the desk, um, a desk opened up in post-production. And so they go ahead and do that. And I was like, well, I want to be here. And I'm showing up every day for free during those times. It was, you weren't getting paid. So I was showing up for two years or like, you know, three semesters, four semesters for free. I just was like, I have to do this. And they're like, well, post desk is open up, opening up. And so I ended up quitting my other job. And Screen Gems is so small where you walk out one door and it's, a, it's like a loft and you go across the kitchen right there. There's offices, there's like eight offices and everyone knows, nobody works together, that division is so small. So pre, our development team, post team, and um, I'm sorry, development, production, and post team, we're all right there within, we cross, you know, we see each other every day, you know, we work together, our meetings are together, work so close. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take this post job and I'm going to get into this, into development from this position. I thought it was going to be easy. I was like, oh, they're going to see, and you know, but a little did I know, no one leaves their positions there. So I was stuck in post for, and I was not happy about it, but I, I learned what I could for like three and a half years. And I was like, I'm wasting my career away. Like I should be, and I was doing like side things. I was still doing like talent people. I work at screen gyms and meeting with like um, creatives, like talent, writers, directors. They didn't know what my position was and they didn't know what department I worked in. They just knew I worked at screen gyms at Sony. And no one ever questioned that. Like if I talk, I talk, <clears throat> they're going to just go with it. Yeah. yeah. So that's the I've industry, been- right? People just go yeah. with it. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's, it was awesome. And I built this, nice little network of, you know, contacts or whatever while working in post, but no one ever knew that. So at some point a desk opened up like three and a half years later and quickly wow. I slipped in there. I was like, okay guys, that's mine. You're and like, right. like, like there, no, there was no interview or anything. All right, cool. Just like, like move your computer that were there and it's your job. It's yeah. like, it was like across the little hallway. Um, and then I was there for a few years and Clint was, Clint was like really into the, he's like, I want to get into the Latino market. I want to do this like tap into this. And I was like, yeah, I, we can do that. I know, I know them all. And he's like, how, like, I, I think he didn't, he didn't realize all the work I was putting in post when I, I was pretending I was in, in development, but I wasn't. And so then I, I remember he was like, um, walking by my desk, does anyone know Patricia Riggin? And this is probably like six months into my, or maybe eight months into my position there. And I'm like, I know Patricia Riggin. And he was like, 
looked at me like, and it's an open, you know, there's desks everywhere. And it's just, a, there's no offices, only there, like executive offices. And I'm like, and he's like, like, you can call her? And I was like, yeah, I'll call her right now. He's like, oh, okay, well, can you call her and tell her that we want to hire her for this job? And I was like, sure. So I go into, I go into someone's, uh, Pam Kuna's office and I'm like, hey, uh, talking to her. And she's like, well, what's the budget, blah, blah, blah. I'm like going through the whole process. And then I'm like, all right, she's going to come in on Monday and have lunch with us. And he was, I think at that time, at that moment, he realized, oh, shit. Like, okay. You're, le- you're legit. I, yeah. yeah at the, and then he took me under his wing and he, he allowed me to, to really do what I wanted to do. And he trusted me and he was like, okay, you work on this and cast this. And he gave me, he started giving me more, definitely more opportunities for sure. Do you think that that had you not taken it upon yourself to spend those two and a half years of your post, three and a half years of your post time building your network as yourself, as a future development exec, do you think he would have seen that potential in you so quickly and taken you under his wing so quickly? No, because I would have had nothing to offer. If you have nothing, then no one wants you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So was that intentional? Were you like, did you see that? Or were you just doing what you thought you needed to do at the time? Oh, I was gonna like, at that point, I was like, I'm gonna start my own company. I'm gonna go be a producer. I'm gonna go make movies. I I was like a whole nother level of stupidity because I was like young and, and like, you know, I just saw things differently. And it wasn't reality. It wasn't realistic. Like it just, I just didn't have the experience I needed. And I just, yeah, I was building, I was building it up for other reasons. I was building up because I thought that I was going to go start my own company. And so I needed those things regardless. Okay. So then 10 years. And so then you, he takes you under his wing. You obviously get to learn a lot. What would you say are some of the biggest takeaways? Like if you had to, you know, sort of share like maybe the top two or three lessons that you took from your 10 years at Sony, what, what would it be? Oh, wow. Deep question there. Yeah, the lessons. I don't know if they're necessarily lessons. I what I gathered from there is just you really have to take it into your own hands. Like you can't sit and wait to be promoted. You can't sit and wait for things to be handed to you because they just it's just not that way. It's so competitive. Everyone's trying to like reach for that next position. Everyone wants their movie to be picked. Everyone wants you know. It's just very very competitive. So. And you almost like, you're like, let's make, let's join as a team with your colleagues. And then you're like, well, it's not necessarily, like, it doesn't, you don't feel like it's a team because you're, you're constantly trying to get ahead. But, I mean, the challenge, I can tell you what the challenges were is that yeah. there was, it was all males and they were all older white guys. And there's nothing wrong with that, except that what I wanted to do was different than what, what they wanted to do. <clears throat> so it didn't work out well for me. You know, like, they didn't see what I saw in, in the Latino market specifically or Latino talent. Like they, they wanted it and they saw it, but they didn't want to be the first one to take that risk. I should yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was given this opportunity here instantly, it was like, he, the owner of my company, he, the reason why he brought me on was because, because of what I had, because of the people I knew, because of the, because I saw what he saw. We had, when you say was, here, you mean broken English. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the same goals, common goals. And uh, as far as like creating great films for Latinos and not necessarily Latino films, just films with Latinos in them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, Very important. It's not, it's not really about our stories. Sure that we have our stories. Ugh. Because I come from a studio background, I always think commercial, like big money, you know, not that there's anything, anything wrong with a prestige or art house films. I just, my mind, because I come from there, it goes there. 
So I'm like, oh, I want to make a romantic comedy, but it's not going to be about like these two Latinos who are in love. No, it's just these two people who are in love and one of them happens to be generous and like whoever. Exactly. And don't ever talk about them like they're who they are like their background you don't you just see it as it's yeah it's, it's not about it's not about that it's just another dimension to the culture that person happens to be of this culture and have this lens on the world you know i think that's that's it i i, I agree like i'm i'm sort of burnt out i think everybody is especially in the latino community like we've all seen your immigrant story we've all seen the movie about like what it's like to come to america for the first time what it's like to adjust to america in the first time like what it's like to be first generation like we've seen these stories and they're very important but it's like such a plethora of them and there's no contrast to that of like what is it like to just be a person falling in love who also happens to be of a certain demographic or a certain ethnicity or a certain race like i think we are slowly getting to that place where that will fly on my face um will eventually become the new normal you know a reflection of what our world looks like what our america what america looks like and the tapestry of all kinds of people and perspectives and cultures so um so that's amazing but i want to back up to because you know being at sony for 10 years and obviously having to deal with the frustrations that you dealt with with having these white men who to your point, like nothing wrong with that, but there's a big disparity between perspective because that's they're looking at projects from their their lens, right? Their their worldview, and you have your worldview. So I imagine that you had periods of intense frustration with being the only woman. It sounds like and the Latina sort of token in that sense, being like, "Hey guys, we gotta think about this. Hey guys, like we gotta do this." And they're like, "No, not yet. No, we don't want to be the person." How did you in yourself, like privately, I guess, navigate that to still show up every day and put your best foot forward and not let that consume you? Uh, it was extremely, extremely frustrating, especially because I drove from Orange County every day. Incredible. <laughs> and I, you know, like I said from the beginning, I did it for two years for free and now I'm getting paid. And I thought, well, you're going to pay me to, to drive to work. I'll do it. I was so excited. And I was, Sony was the best friend of me. And I, I would never take that away from Sony being, I mean, they gave me everything I needed to get where I'm at now. Um, but how did I deal with the frustration? I, I continue to do what I did. I, I built my lovely, you know, network and long list of contacts and started creating outside because at that point I wasn't like, I didn't care if I got fired. I don't know if I didn't care if I got fired, but I was, I was like, I'm just going to show you guys that there's value in this and I'm going to go create it myself on the side when I have time. And if you find out about it, either one, you're going to be like, you're fucking brilliant or two, you're fired. <laughs> so, um, it was a risk worth, worth taking though. Yeah. A friend of mine, she was, she was like, Oh, we have this project and it's it had a big star who happened to be her sister money and she was she, she's never asked me for anything she barely even submitted anything to me at some point i was like you're my producer friend but you never give me any projects is it just like we just like to drink wine together like what's happening <laughs> yeah and, and so which made this this decision even easier when she came to me and said we need we need to raise some money for this project and i was like let me read it i read it, it was probably one of the best scripts i've ever read in my life wow i was like i want to do this I gave it to them and I, and Zoe Saldana is a lead. It's a fucking no brainer. Yeah. And 
it's a small budget, not small, but small enough for for, for a studio comparatively. For a studio, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. it wasn't twenty million. Um, and I was all excited. I'm like, we're gonna do this. Fuck yeah! I was so you know, this isn't like we got handed something like beautiful on a plate. Like this isn't unreal. And I went, and they're like, yeah, I just like I I don't remember exactly what it was, but he was just like, I just don't get it, or it's just not for us. Which everything that's like the easiest answer to give. I'm like, well, why? Well, it's just not okay. Cool. Um, and then I realized they didn't even finish reading the script. They read halfway through it because I, the answer he gave was, was telling, I'll say that. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what? I closed my door and I called her and I said, I'm going to, I know someone who has money and I'm going to call him. I've never asked him for anything. And he's always for 10 years, since I was an intern, he wanted to finance my film. The first one I wrote, that was a piece of shit. Thank God that didn't happen. And I think that's, this is when we met because when we had lunch, you were, you were, making moves you were making yeah, these moves I, that was i was over it huh yeah um, yeah yeah <laughs> and i told them and i said i never asked you for anything this is an amazing opportunity i'm gonna send it to you like that day at the end of the day he was like let's have lunch i think it was like the next day and so her the director producers we had lunch at sony and he came down from san diego and he was like after our meeting we walked to my they like separated smartly and we're like go talk to him went back to my office and he was like fucking let's do it let's figure it out like I'm in and it was, it was that easy. And I was like, how is that possible? Like everything is a struggle here. It takes so much time to get any like answer, even an answer is like difficult. Why would even ask for money? Just like a yes or no. And, and then that was like the turning. And I tell them all the time, like, I'm so thankful for like that, for them even coming to me, even though they were asking me for something, I got so much out of it. I got like this drive and this, like, I can do anything. And then at that point I was like, I was on. It was like, I'm out of here. Like at some point, someone will realize what, you know, what I have and they'll come get me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's funny that it's, it's, it seems to me that your drive and your hustle and this, you're, you lean into these risks, you know, you're a big, bold risk taker. You just kind of, you seem to live life like just chest open. You just throw yourself to in the ring and you're just kind of down. You know what I mean? At least that's the impression that I have from our limited experience. And it's such an important skill set, especially for a woman, I think, to kind of be bold like that. Where does that come from for you? Have you always been this way? Or did you, throughout the years, find a way to tap into that more? I probably was a risk taker in bad ways when I was younger. And it, yeah. I, I turned me into like positives. You just channeled it to some better stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I've always been a little out there and like big dreamer. Like even before I got into film or like into Sony, I was like, I just, I was like, I need to do something. Like I'm such an, like my mindset is entrepreneurial all the time. Or before this, I was like, I'm going to open a restaurant. I'm going to like, I would go home and I have a twin sister and I would tell her like, and she was opposite of me. She was like, kind of like, was like, I just want to be a stay at home mom. And was so content being that. And I was like, why don't you want to like do anything? You know, like it was like, it makes me like, it almost like, no, it, it upsets me when people like settle. I'm like, why would you want to like work at the grocery store? There's nothing wrong with working at the grocery store, but why would you, why would you want to settle into that? Like, why, how, like I could never just say, okay, this is what I'm going to, I got stuck here at a young age. Like I started working when I was 16 and somehow I, this became my life because it happens all the time. You get a job, you get money and you're like, oh, well, I have kids and I have a, a mortgage and I can't take that I can't do that because then it would disrupt my my regular like you know I need money and I, I get that but I just might like what, what what is it that you want to do I ask my cousins all the time because some of them aren't as driven as I would like them to be and I'm like well you know what is it that what's going to make you happy because I couldn't imagine going and working at the bank every day 
like walking in and doing, and maybe they are happy. Now, maybe I'm just more like, I want big, I want, you know, I, I don't know. But um, I, I think my, I've always been like wanting bigger things or more and like getting my, like opening a restaurant. I have no business opening a restaurant. Why would I want to open a restaurant? <laughs> but I was like, well, it seemed like, it, it seemed like I would run my own business and it seemed fun and it, it like made sense at that moment. But I would come home with all these ideas. Like it was never like, oh, I'm going to go work at a nine to five. It was never a job. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think there's something to, to it that either you look at life through a lens of possibility, right? Where like anything is literally possible. Like why not? Like others have figured it out. Others have found a way. If it's a human desire, there's a human solution. If it's a human made problem, there's a human made solution for it. So why not try? Like you have the one life, as far as we know. It's one precious life. You only get to be here once. So why not go for it? Go for these things. And I seems like there are people who are driven by the possibilities of anything can happen and others who are paralyzed by the possibility that anything could happen. It's like that that perspective, that mentality of the the sab- you want to sabotage yourself. Like you have these dreams, you have these desires, but it feels so far away that staying here, to your example, like working in a bank, having your your parameters, having something that feels easy, controlled. You don't have to like try to shake the foundation of the very thing that you do. I think it works for a lot of people. And it, it you know, I, I'm not wired that way. Uh, I'm, I'm like you, I'm cut from your cloth where I'm like out there and kind of crazy and, you know, ventured and out here and left home when I was young to come pursue my dreams and stuff. And I just refuse to believe that it's not possible for me for anybody else like it's just it never occurs to me you know it's like it never occurs to me that it's impossible it's like I'll keep trying until I die that's just kind of how it is and and it's it's interesting I I wish I could bottle up whatever that thing is and sell it oh my god I become a millionaire billionaire you know (laughs) put it in a little pill like the thing that wakes you up and gives you drive for for life a hunger for possibility so well, I so mean, I, it was yeah. It was always like that, though. You know, there's days where you're just like, I want the least amount of responsibility. I'm over this. I'm trying to cha- like change this whole industry and like show them the what they're missing out on these opportunities. And then, and it became a what the this isn't even like. At some point, I'm like, this is just overwhelming me. Like, it's just it's too much. Right. But then here's the point. But you keep coming back. You have those thoughts. Yeah. You have those feelings. I have that too. Especially as a freelance producer, how many times am I like? Does this even matter? What am I doing with my life? I'm putting all this time and energy and sweat equity into projects with the hope and the dream that this actually goes into production, that this actually makes money. In the meantime, I'm, I'm working on spec. You know, there's no income with all the stuff I'm doing. And you go, I don't have a 401k. What am I going to do about retirement? I want a family one day. Like all of these big life things weigh on you. So I too feel that. And some days I'm like, fuck it, burn it all to the ground. I'm going to move to an island. I'll figure it out. I'll open up a coffee shop. But knowing me, within six months, I'd be heading the tourism board there and like, you know, ramping shit up because I can't sit still, which is good and bad. But I think those days are super important because they sort of recalibrate you, it seems, because I, I too can just like have fantasized many times about leaving and what else could I do with my life and helping the world in a more tangible way. But we keep coming back, you know, and that's the part that I'm fascinated by, because of course, you're going to have down days. Of course, you're going to have these extremes where you're like, fuck this shit. Like, I hate everybody. Everybody's an idiot. This will never change. There's no hope, (laughs) you know. Um, But again, you keep coming back. So to my point, like, why do you think that is? What is that for you that 
pulls you back in? I don't even know. It's just like, I love it. No, I just, it doesn't even feel like work. It just makes me happy, I guess. And I don't, I, you know, like some people that have this like great answer. I don't have a great answer. I'm sorry, but it's just a great answer. It just makes me happy. You know, I, you know, some people wake up in the morning and like, I don't want to go to work or I don't want to do whatever it is that they have to do. I never wake up feeling that way. I wake up early and I like drink my coffee and I'm excited to be doing what I do. And it's extremely grateful because I know a lot of people who aren't excited to wake up and do what they, what they have to do. So for me, I just take that in and I always try to remember and, you know, every day to choose happiness. And, and it's not hard for me to choose happiness because I'm doing what I love. I have a great family, healthy, you know, like I'm, I'm grateful. Yeah. I think gratitude is important. And on that note, how do you practice self-care? What is, what is self-care for Jolene look like? Oh, well, before this, this whole COVID thing, self-care was like, I would go get facial massages the whole time. I think I was like, all right, I'm leaving. I'm going and I had the same girl for years. Brooklyn's my spot. Like, I just love it. That's my, that's, that was my way of taking care of, like, that was my getaway. You know, I should do more like meditation and stuff, but like that, that was relaxing to me. And it was a reset. I like to go on Sundays because then I would start my work week real strong. Yeah. Yeah. And now that we're in this interesting time. I try to exercise more for, for many reasons, but yeah, that's not necessarily like, it's more like, uh, what is it? Like mental self-care, you know? So that's where, where I'm at right now. Yeah. I mean, mental game has to be strong because like, it's a career, an industry built on stamina. You know, it's like you're, people use the the metaphor of a marathon often. Um, but recently someone else brought this idea that it's like a dance, which I like a lot better because when you're dancing, you, there's different types of dancings and different speeds and tempos. And mm-hmm. it's like, sometimes you're in that mood and you're going to hip hop all over the place. And sometimes you're just like chilling, you know, you're just like swaying and that's all you can give it. But you're always taking two steps. You know what I mean? You're always kind of moving slowly forward. Whereas I think a marathon can sometimes mean you're so laser focused, you kind of forget to look around and enjoy the journey. But because, oh, it, it, yeah, it, you know, sometimes you just got to like salsa it up. But, <laughs> uh, but because it is such a dance and it's such a long dance, you know, I think a lot of people I've had on the show, it's like 10, 15, 20 years to get a career to the place where I guess outsiders may look at what they've accomplished and go, wow, you've made it right. And then everybody on the inside is like, what do you mean? I'm just getting started. I don't feel like I've arrived at all. (laughs) You know, I'm just getting started. That's how I feel. Yeah, exactly. It just takes, yeah, it takes so long. So that mental game thing is very important. Gratitude is like everything. I think you nailed, nailed that. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, And speaking of gratitude, you know, now you are in this new position. You're president over at Broken English Productions. Um, tell us a little more about how that transition's gone. And now that you've been there since June, right? I believe we're in October. July. July. Okay. So it's been a few months. And so how is it going? Back real quick. You know, I just remember my friend telling me she's an actress and she says, Jolene, the highs are high and the lows are low. If you can like figure those things out when the lows are low and you just remember that you're going to get back up. And also understand that those super highs that you get are going to, you're going to come back down and you just have to be able to, you know, balance those things out. A good part of this business, or that's a good thing to know about this business is 
people get in these lows and they're really hard to get out of because things aren't going their way or not as quick as they would like them to happen. And, and then when they get that high, they're like, I need that. And that's what keeps you going though. I think that's part of it is like when you're, when you're on top of your game and you're like, everything's going your way, you want more. It's almost addicting a little bit. So maybe that's part of like why I keep coming back. Maybe that's, you know, other than making me happy, but man, those lows suck. So. Yeah. Well, and so then I guess to that point, like we on the show so much of the MO of my show is talking about the messy parts of the journey, right? The caca, the caca of our lives. So when you are, when you have been in these lows, how do you get out of them? Like, what do you do when you're in that low to then come back to middle before the next high? Oh, I just, I continue to try to create to get back to where I was, but it's going to be, it's going to be an up and down the whole time. Just like tell myself that though. Also part of it was just like, you're going to get out of this and I have a great, like supportive, like my girl tribe, they're amazing. And most of them are in the industry. So they get it. So I'll call them like, what the fuck? And they do the same thing to me. And, and they're like, you just have to find that balance. You have to be like, okay. Also like, don't become so addictive to that. Cause it's not always going to be that way, but just talk my way, talk myself out of it. Out of that. Like everything's gonna be good. You got this. Like, I, like I, and my daughter too, she's like, mama, you have to enjoy your moments. Like, I remember I was sitting at my kitchen table once and she was like, she told me like, do you ever just think in like, how far you've come? And just be like, this is amazing. And I'm like, no, cause she sees me, I'm constantly going on to the next thing, on to the next thing. And she's like, you should really just be thankful like for all the things that you have now. Like you've come so far. How old is and your she, daughter? She's like in seventh grade at the time. Oh my God. Like, she's in seventh grade. Now she's, she's, she graduated, but this was like five years ago. And I remember looking at her and I was, and I drove to work and I almost like was like, emotional but I'm like how is this little child telling me <laughs> like and it's true though she she was telling the truth like like just be like you've come so far and you're constantly like I'm so hard on myself and that's one of the one of the things I need to work on because I'm like things are you know and I'm, I think I'm doing pretty good right now but who knows those things change can't you're you're in this industry your job your title your whatever you're working on becomes your identity. And that's the worst thing that could ever happen because you lose your job, you're fucked. So I always try to remember, like, I have this great family and this, you know, I'm, I'm healthy and I'm good. And I'm Jolene and I outside on the weekend. And that's part of the reason why I like to be in Orange County is I separate myself from that. Like they call it the orange curtain. You come to the orange County, it's orange curtain. <laughs> and I'm no longer like having to discuss business on the weekends or running into people at restaurants. I'm now like mom mode. And even though I'm constantly working, but I'm, my son has baseball or my husband wants, let's go to dinner. Like I'm no longer in that, in that place. So there's a separate, and that's, that can never be my identity. Cause I just not who I am. Yeah. So, so you don't feel like then throughout your journey, you ran into that, that danger zone of like the career, the title, the position defining you and your self-worth. Sure. Probably when I was young, like in my, in the beginning, I was like, I work at me. This is so cool. Like, and I, you know, probably walking around telling everyone as a, uh, because I probably didn't expect, not that I didn't expect it to happen. Cause I think in the back of my mind, I was always like, I'm going to be something great, whatever that was. I don't know. Um, but then when I got the Sony job, I'm like, it's a Sony, like it's a studio, like, holy shit. Like people like, so I'm sure at that moment, there's moments I'm sure that I come in and out and I'm like, and now my husband, when we, we go places or we meet people and like, Oh, what do you do for a living? I'm like, Oh, I work for like a mini studio a production company. And he's like, she doesn't work for it. She's the president of the company. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't want that to be the, the identity. Like, I don't want, you know, I just let it be. Yeah. 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 I think that's so, 
smart and true and, and definitely advice I wish I had been given early on, which is part of why like I do this show. I wish that I could have listened to this, these conversations when I was 25 and like stuck in that because I, I am, I put so much pressure on myself to reach my goals and make my dreams happen because, you know, it's like I immigrated to America and my parents gave up everything. Like all of that narrative is very strong for me. And so I definitely struggled with, especially as a freelancer, right? Where it's like you finish a job and maybe you go through some period of unemployment and waiting for the next thing. And it, it's very easy to get into those lulls of like, am I ever going to work again? Is anybody ever going to hire me again? Like, it's really easy to spin out. And mm -hmm. it, it wasn't until I made the switch and started being more of a lead producer on some projects that I started being able to have some distance from that. But I wouldn't say it's like, done deal and I'm not even impacted by it because it's like every time you're leveling up there's a new it's almost like the the whatever your triggers are in your life they will always be there but the more you're like climbing up to the top it's like you've mastered one way to not be impacted by this trigger well someone else has a new way to remind you of that trigger and you're like oh I thought I got over this okay cool all right now I gotta learn to attack it from this angle you know, and so it's like you're always being presented with the same problem internally. Like, I think that we all come into this life with a certain set of challenges that we're here to overcome. And it's our karma to, like, figure out how to do that. And every time you think you've, like, mastered it, there's, like, something else that's going to be like, mm, no, let me, let me, let me bring this to your attention once again, you know. Um, and it, it makes it, you know, for an interesting life, that's for sure. But, um, but yeah, I think I, I definitely have have struggled with that. So it's so interesting to hear the perspective of someone who came up in such a different way from me talk about some of the similarities because I know I can look very ignorantly, not so much so now, but back then I would look to someone like you who was at Sony or had this fancy title or was sort of anointed by the industry in a way and go, wow, like they have it all figured out. And like, they're this person with this title and I'm just this girl trying to, you know, I'm just this person with free, like I'm just doing this thing that comparatively, comparatively felt small. And so then I felt like I must be small too, you know, it's crazy, but that's, you can very easily believe that narrative and it takes a lot of mental stamina and willpower to, to really be like, no. And I think it was when I started getting on, you know, sort of starting working on bigger studio projects not studio level year level but you know independence that were bigger projects that I started to realize I would talk to executives and be like oh you don't know shit like you don't know stuff like I saw I assumed you would because you're at this level wow like I had it all backwards you know <laughs> so I just started to realize that everybody's just doing their best, trying to figure it out it's just everybody's got an email and an, you know a, a fancy signature but at the end of the day you strip all of that. We're all just humans trying to navigate this business, which is very challenging, but extremely rewarding. And at the end of the day, you know, extremely, I think, attractive for a lot of people because I, it's the ultimate act of community service. You know, the stories we choose to tell make their way internationally and they impact people. They change perspectives. And it's why in light of Black Lives Matter, in light of everything that's been happening with the Latinx movement, it's so important to your point earlier to tell stories that zoom out from the experiences that we've all seen time and time again because there's so many more interesting stories to tell you know and that that for me that like possibility to use that word again is personally what makes me like show up every day and have my fire and my hunger and go we got to go we got to keep it moving um 
people are going to try to knock you down, but I don't, it's just, they're stuck in an old system. You know what I mean? And you just have to find that, that wind that fills your sails to keep moving forward, however slowly, but forward always, you know? So I just monologue for a long time there, but <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sometimes I get on these soapboxes. Oh, I feel like I should be a motivational speaker. Um, your viewers will, you will appreciate that. I have yeah. to write check. That was therapy right there. I know, dude. I mean, that's the thing. The podcast, selfishly for me, and a lot of the producers who come on, has become like therapy because we, I have these conversations off mic all the time, usually with a lot of wine involved, and it they're they're awesome. And I didn't realize others weren't necessarily having them as frequently. So it's my duty and my honor to share. But but refocusing back on you. So now you're president of Broken English. You've been there since July. How is it going? Like, what what are you most excited about for this new chapter of your career that you're in? Sorry, I'm I'm in the corner of my kitchen. We remodeled, and I don't have any chairs. We threw everything away. It's so good if it's if it's your domestic Orange County mom vibes. It's perfect. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Very <shit>. on brand. <laughs> oh, all, right. all right, um, it's going amazing. Yeah, like I said from the beginning, extremely, extremely grateful. Um, I'm not sure, like, I question it all the time, but I'm like, stop questioning it. You deserve this. Sometimes we get in those, we get in those, in, in that thought process of like, why me, how? And then I'm like, no, I fucking drove to LA every day for 10 years and two of them are for free. Like, you earn this. Um, it's amazing. I have an amazing team and, and the owner of the company, he has founder. Uh, he, he's a Latino. He gets it he's a down-to-earth guy <clears throat> he's not just some like rich dude because that would be uncomfortable he's like a normal rich guy um <laughs> which is fun because he like speaks like me and you and doesn't like he's just a funny guy um giving me he's giving me all the power in the world that i need to do what i need to do and what more can i ask for i'm extremely extremely happy and grateful and he already has a director attached we should He's like, what is it? And I'm explaining it to him. He's like, let's do it. And I'm like, this is like my third day. And I'm like, okay, uh, sure. Like, okay. From, in my head, I'm like, there's a process. Like, I'm coming from a corporate world. We're going to have to like do comps, and, like some P&L sheet or something. <clears throat> and he's like, go. I'm like, oh, like go, go buy it like right now? And he's like, yeah, I'll call you later. He hangs up and I'm like, I sat there at my kitchen table. I was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> and one of the girls, she's a producer and actress in it. And she was like, I called her and I'm, and I'm like, let's FaceTime. And we're talking. And she's like, and same exact thing. I think she was like, cool. Like, all right, let's do this. I'm like, no, no, fool, we're doing this. Like, we're doing it. Like, we're going to, like, I'm going to, I'm going to call your lawyer right now. She's like, oh, fuck. All right. <laughs> yeah, for real. And she's like, okay. She's like, call my agent. Like, let's do this. And I think we both have, because we come from the corporate side, like, she works on big films at studios. And I the world from the opposite, you know. And, so our 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 timeline is different than my the owner's timeline. He's like, just go do it. Like we don't have to think about this. Which he's like, in his head, it's like this is the perfect cast. It's a it's a comedy. It's fun. It makes sense. Like why wouldn't we do this? Like and which I like because when you're at a studio, that everything, all these like, there's number crunching and this and that and like comps and we don't have any comps. We've never made any movies. Like what is our comp? Yeah. Our comp, our comp is your comedy. Our comp is your bridesmaid, but it's not because we're Latinos in it. And so like, it's not a comp, I guess, to them. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, dumb. 
Yeah, they're like, but understand, I, I, we need to make our stars global stars. We're domestic, like Gina is a domestic. She has some, some stuff outside, but she's a domestic star, which I get. So when they're putting her in as a lead in a movie, how are we going to get that international audience to come when no one knows who she is possibly i mean i don't know how true that is but that's kind of I, I don't think that's true if you're talking about gina I, rodriguez especially not after the the uh the netflix feature she did oh no i think before this but it was before this. I, think, I think she's a huge star hence why i work with her so bad and why i'm going to work with her i i know people in brazil who are obsessed with jane the virgin and are like obsessed with her you know what i mean like yeah, but we're dealing with these we're dealing with we're, me and you know this we're we know this but yeah 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 i'm constantly like in the room saying no that's not how it is no like everyone i know loves this and this isn't for you and your kids this is for me and my kids mm -hmm. and more like me yeah. who want so when you're so i would always get like i would get their side like okay is it and, and because it's always a money thing in the studio of course. so it's like it's not for us it's like we're creating art right now with my boss and my team we're just like oh my god we're making we're creating we're making movies for us this is just we're not thinking necessarily about money we're just like we're going to create this and it'll be amazing where we, on the other side it's like this is a business decision it's always a business decision on on both sides but more more so on their side and so for us to be able to do this with him and him to say yeah, go do that. And for both of us to be like, what the fuck? Like, this is crazy. Um, because it happened so fast. I was like, oh my God. Um, where else am I going to go to get that? Nowhere. Nowhere. That's incredible. So what's your dream? What's your hope? Like, if we were to do this podcast 10 years from now and revisit what you hope to happen in this next decade, what would that look like? Oh, it would be like the Latino empire, but not Latino because it's for everyone. It's this global, this global empire for Latinos. We're the, we, you come to me when you want to make your movie and you're Latino, like kind of like Will Packer and James Lopez at Will Packer Productions. When you want to make a big fun comedy or even a heartfelt comedy, whatever it may be, heart and humor is always a good balance. Um, you come to me, like, like their community goes to them. We, that would be it. And I think I'm building it right now as we speak. And I, I it's time and time again like we get on these panels these all of us do and we say we wanted and i did it too i want to do these things and i want to do like i want to make these movies and i want to help these people i want to create these stars but it's not that easy and i understand that because you're dealing with big studios but now where i'm at i'm actually able to do that which is amazing so I'm cool so, i'm so happy for you you're like glowing it's it's such a treat to get to share virtual space with you and get to feel a little bit of your your fire for life and for this business it's we need it you know i think especially given how this year has been for a lot of people with production being halted i think it's put a lot of things in question for for a lot of people with what is what is their why for this business for this work that we do that we all love and cherish so much i think it's that this great pause that we're living in has definitely um, brought up these questions for a lot of people and it's nice to see you in this space you know in such a challenging year and, and still being like kicking ass and doing your thing i'm curious you know with how the pandemic has shifted stuff for a lot of people right now we get to zoom meetings and we're and inside an executive's home we're inside like someone's private space which previous to this moment in time that was never the thing and i i wonder you know it's it feels like it's humanized people a little more and it's made us, I would say, more compassionate towards our fellow man, um, getting to see 
like if we're trying to have a meeting and someone's kid or dog is going to run through, you just have to deal with that. You have to roll with those punches, whereas you would never have to deal with that in an office setting. So I'm curious, you know, with with the way the pandemic is, we're still in it, but how do you think that's going to reshape and maybe redefine the way that we do things in our industry? Mm. I think for the corporate world, it's going to be difficult because there's, they have other, they're like us, we just made a movie over the summer. Making movies over the summer because there's, they're, they're going to get sued or they're afraid they're, there's other guidelines that they have to follow. So I think independent, the independent world, everyone was taking advantage of, I think I know we did. They're taking advantage of that off time the studio had and they're like, here we go. I don't know. I don't, we're gonna make a movie in we're making a movie in six weeks, so it's holding us back. But you do have to be more careful. You do have to follow, you know, you know have a you have a COVID line in your budget now, which is fucking crazy. Yeah, it's um, a lot of money. Yeah. You it's gonna be challenging, definitely, because you don't want to get anyone sick or you don't want to be responsible for people getting sick. So you, it's gonna be that side of it is, is the challenging part. Making movies is the easy part. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's going to change. I don't know. I think there's going to be a shitload of films on streamers next year, I guess, is going to happen. Because what happens to the theaters? I think they'll open. I mean, they're slowly opening back up. But I, I don't know. I don't, we'll see. I don't have an answer. Do you think that it's changing people internally, though, like in their perspectives of how they deal with each other? Is, do you think it's making people a little bit more... I guess, yeah, compassionate or tolerant of things, whereas maybe before they wouldn't be? Like, do you feel like there's a shift like that energetically, not just with the corporate physical aspect of making movies, but the individuals themselves? I don't know. I think everyone's going through, through the same thing. Being, It's slowly opening up, but during those times, I felt like a lot of people were dealing with, even myself, I was like, am I losing it? Like, I need to go for a run. Like, what is happening? I'm locked and I can't go anywhere. I'm not used to this. I think everyone was dealing with the same thing. <clears throat> so it, I, there was more conversations about probably like mental health and like those things. And am I going through it? Am I losing it? Or yeah, I think definitely in that area, people are compassionate about it, about being, you know, being nicer to each other. But I think this, there's people are going to be in, uh, competitive regardless and they're going to be who they are. Well, we need that competitiveness. That's what makes the business, you know, sort of exciting game in a way like you got to have everybody showing up with their a game to keep everybody else in line otherwise i think it would we would not be doing the work at the level that we're doing so i think that's important but but yeah that makes sense to me um well we we are at the almost at the hour so i have one final question for you and of course if there's anything else that you want to add or or share we'll we'll take it um but just you know people always ask the advice question and i i personally kind of hate that question because it's just like for every one advice, there's someone else who says the opposite because everybody's journey is so different. So instead of that, I'd love for you to share with the listeners a nugget, like a nugget of something you hope they take away from this conversation, from your experience so far. Just, yeah, based on where you are today, you know, and how far you've come since those days those those days where you were doing so much juggling so much and you still are but my god like I had no idea about that part of your story and it it's just really inspiring thank you yeah. um I mean I I think you have to have a certain certain DNA to have like to be in this business and to have the drive that you had like you and I have um you can't be passive you just have to go after what you want no one's gonna hand you anything 
Um, except if you're like your dad's the president or the chairman or whatever, then you get handed stuff, which I feel like half the industry is and it pisses me off, but that's not my problem because I'm doing it on my own. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I would just say, you know, don't be afraid to cold call people and email because that's how I built this lovely like network of people. And that's the only reason I'm here at Broken English probably is because like I wasn't afraid to, to do those things. And, but also don't be annoying and like text me 10 times a day and ask if you got my email. Like, did you get my email? And I'm like, come on, guy. It's uh, a fine line. Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's an art. It's an art. It Actually. truly is. But also yeah. have an offer. Because everyone's like, oh, it's so easy for you to say, like, you work at Sony. And I'm like, yeah, but I use that. Like, I know a lot of people that work at Sony that aren't in the position I'm in because I use that Sony email like no other. I was like, <laughs> that Sony email was my best friend. <laughs> like, yeah. So you have to, what do you have that I need? I guess is like, if you come up to me and you have this brilliant script and I know someone's looking for this, like, what do you, what do you have that I need? Like figure out what, what that is and, and know how to communicate with people. Listen more than you speak, especially with like actors and, and artists like that. They want to they talk about themselves more than they want to hear you talk for sure. So like know those questions to ask. And I don't know if you're ever going to be able to steal with talent or whatever it may be, but if you ever happen to have, have that opportunity and you want to work with them, let them talk. And, uh, and <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, but you know, I say build that network. And, and there's writers. I will say this. There, there are writers. And you know, at universities and have these professors who are a bunch of assholes and they're like, tell them they're never going to make it or whatever. And they, I think if you have an amazing script, I can write an amazing script, but if I don't know, how, if I don't have anyone to give it to, it means absolutely nothing. Right. <clears throat> so build that network. That's, that's my, my gift today. Build that network. However you can reach out to executives, even if it's uncomfortable, reach out to me, reach out to whoever, you know, like, don't be afraid. No idea. Like, I feel like I've, I have um, the most amazing writer. Actually, I go. He's my go-to. He met me. I met him through Twitter. Actually, he's like my my guy. His wife, amazing. He has kids. He's a teacher, but he's a fucking fantastic writer through Twitter. But he had he had something to offer. He he knew how to speak. One, he knew how to communicate with me, and he's like, I have this script. I have this idea, and I was like, Wow, that's pretty good. Let me read your script. And I found out he could write. But also not everyone reads in this industry. It's like fake read. I happen to actually read. But you know, I think if you have something to offer, people will listen to you. It's some mumble and jumble bullshit. And you can, I'll read, I'll read through that. No, just be like, come on. You're, you're wasting my time and other people have, there's some other people I could be talking to who really, really want this. So build your network, guys. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Well, I'm so grateful, honestly, to find an hour of your time. I know you're so busy to share it with me and the listeners and get to capture this moment that you're in. So thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. You're welcome. Yay. This is good. This is good. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in and doing this live thing with me. If you like the show, please don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm at Carolina Gropa. You can find the show at angleonproducers.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next week. Beijos.